Monday the 30th of November. Welcome to our afternoon sport deep dive. I'm Tim Gilbert and I'm joined by my co-host Shane Lee. How are you, mate? Mate, I'm great, Timmy. Thanks. It's great to be here, mate, for the first show. Very excited to uh, talk about all things sport, mate. Absolutely. And look, to give people a little bit of insight into who we are, if you don't know us, I was at Channel 9 for 23 years. These days, work at Sky News doing their weekend breakfast show and a few other programs, do a bit of 2GB. But I was there when Shane Lee pretty much came to Sydney at the BMW, the blonde tips and burst onto the cricket scene. That's a few years ago now. Mate, I drive a Kluger now, mate, and I've got no blonde tips. They're going grey, so <laughs> things have things changed, mate. <laughs> but uh, look, I'm really looking forward to uh, spending some time over the summer with lots of great sport coming up, particularly with the cricket and uh, all things football in the winter. So, mate, we're going to talk about a lot of things and have a lot of, lot of good chats, mate. Absolutely. Well, it's a huge show. Steve Smith, uh, through the IPL, he struggled. I think some teams, some countries thought, oh, okay, we've got a, his measure. He's come out and on Friday's hit 100, he hit 100 yesterday. In extraordinary form he is. Old blokes fighting again. We'll talk about that. The death of Maradona at the age of 60 plus everything in between. This is the Afternoon Sport Deep Dive. Let's get into it. Great to have you come to your listening to Afternoon Sport with Shane Lee and Tim Gilbert, and it is time to talk cricket. Shano, Steve Smith, goodness gracious me, he has re-hit form in an absolute hurry. He said that he's found his hands again after being in pretty ordinary form by his lofty standards through the IPL. Now, can you, the boy from Oak Flats, tell me what he means? Mate, I think he means that he's actually hitting through the line of the ball with his hands. Once your hands start to move, it's sort of everything, everything else follows, your feet and your balance in particular. But you're right, he had, he had a very poor IPL series, and now back-to-back hundreds, it's setting up the summer for him beautifully. I think a lot of countries and a lot of opponents started to think, oh, do we have this guy's measure? Because he was almost impossible to get out. Uh, some thought the short ball was what was going to get him, but really, he's just come out. And I know it's one-day cricket and there's different forms of cricket, but the manner in which he scored these two centuries, just unbelievable on, on Friday and then again yesterday. Yeah, and he's scoring at a really fast rate too. I think, in particular, the lockdown period would be really difficult for a lot of people across a lot of you know, different jobs, but in particular cricket. But Steve Smith, he thinks about the game 24-7. He would be shadow batting at home, lockdown wouldn't have mattered to him at all. So, And you see he's come out in, in great form and clearly he wants to beat this Indian team and, and prove that he's the number one batsman in the world. Okay, now some news yesterday, huge news with David Warner injured. Uh, the extent of his injury is, is coming to light. Uh, if he is out for an extended time, I suppose that makes it easier for selectors, but I'll tell you what, it makes it a lot harder for the Australian cricket team. Well, they asked him who he wanted to be opening batting with him for the series, and uh, it looks like he, he you know, potentially groin injuries are really, really bad, and they take a long time to recover. Um, so it could give young Will Pekoski his actual chance to come in um, for, for the first test, and we'll see what happens there. But at his age, groin injuries, not a great sign for, the, for, the, for our number one bat. Which way would you have gone, Shane, if David Warner was fit and, and ready to go? Uh, me personally, I would be picking Will Pekoski. I think Burns... Yes, he scored four test hundreds. He got 180 against a pretty weak attack in New Zealand. But, you know, 
Burns is only averaging 40. Pekoski in, in first-class cricket is averaging 55. He's got back-to-back double hundreds. He's only 22. Um, and I think he's the future. And when you've got some really, really good senior players in the team, as we do now in Smith and Warner, um, you know, you've got your, your, your Cummings and your Starks, it's time to, to, to blood some young blood, I reckon. And um, no better way to pick guys go off back-to-back double centuries. Now, Shane, just looking at the amount of runs that are being scored in one-day cricket now, what was it, six for 374 on, on, on Friday night? Right across the weekend, it's not that long ago where 250 seemed like a good total. Yeah, and, and that's because of 2020 cricket. And, and, and Glenn Maxwell in particular, he, how, how well has he been playing? 63 off 29 balls last night, played brilliantly well. But yeah, the, the players have the ability now to go deep into an innings with wickets in hand, and they know in 2020 Crete you can score you can score 200 runs off 20 overs. We used to say at the 30 over mark, um, you'd almost double your score. So if they're around 200 there, 30 over mark, 400 is easily achievable these days. So Shane, Steve Smith, um, so many people are wondering who will take over once Tim Payne retires as captain, because he's so much closer to the end than the start. He's, he's only got a bit left in him. Look, Steve Smith will, will not captain again. And I don't think we really want him to captain. I think we want him focused on his batting, like he's done in the last two matches, scoring, scoring back-to-back hundreds again in the last two one-dayers. If he's batting well, we all bat around him, and we'll look for a, another captain. But yes, Steve Smith will not captain Australia again. And Shane, what about the WBBL final on Saturday? Well done to the Sydney Thunder. They were the underdogs, and the Stars have continued their poor run in grand finals. But uh, yeah, the level of cricket from from the likes of Meg Lanning and Knight, we know they're all great players, Rachel Haynes, but some of the, the young players as well. Look, there's no doubt each year I turn on the women's cricket, it's getting better and better and better. Um, the girls are hitting sixes now. They're, they're, they're playing um, bowling fast, feeling as well, well as the men. It, it's brilliant to watch. And having two young daughters myself, if a young girl wants to go and have a career in cricket now, they can really do that. And it's super competitive and it's great television. The stars have really gone poor in finals, haven't they? Goodness gracious. They do. They are, um, yeah, I don't know what it is and the makeup, but, uh, you know, it's it's a little bit like uh, Cleary in the football this year um, and losing the state of origin as well. It's a lot, a lot of pressure on him. And once you start to lose him, uh, it's not easy to get him back. Yeah, we're going to talk cricket right throughout the course of the summer. But uh, we'll leave that there, Shano. Coming up, we're going to go boxing. Johnny Stephenson was a runner, but he knows all there is to know about boxing, UFC and everything else. There's so many of these old guys coming back. We'll talk to Johnny Stephenson next. Afternoon sport with Tim Gilbert and Shane Lee. And joining us now, look, he is a man with many, many hats. Of course, gold medalist at the Commonwealth Games, Olympic silver medalist. He'll tell us uh, his full track and field history shortly, but... uh, John Stephenson, how are you, my friend? Timmy, how are you? You left a few medals out, mate. I don't, I don't like it when you do that, Tim, just quietly. <laughs> Fill us in. Come on, give us a rest. Let's go through the whole resume, at least. We can go through <laughs> world champ, bronze medalist, Olympic silver medalist, number three in the world, 2007. You know, this all-around great guy, plays on 15. <laughs> that's blown out. <laughs> it's blown out. No, no, I think that's my handicap. I think I should be 18. I actually think I get robbed at golf, just quietly. But anyway, we won't talk about that. But it's great to be on the podcast. It's great to uh, be here with you guys. And a lot's been happening in the world of fighting and yeah John did you see the Tyson fight yeah I actually you know what a lot of people were sort of questioning it and I guess we sort of used to seeing elite athletes compete but you know the funny thing when it comes to boxing it's still a fight it's a fight between 
two people. Mm. So whether or not they're elite, it, I think sometimes is irrelevant as long as the matchup is okay. And I think today, seeing Roy Jones and Mike fight, the matchup was fair. They were both aged, yes. They both had to train and get into some sort of physical shape, yes. The rounds were two minutes instead of three minutes, yes. They're only eight rounds eight-round fight, yes, but we still saw two people who once upon a time we were in awe of, like two guys that really will go down in the Hall of Fame in fighting, and um, and we saw them scrap again, and and I, I don't see any harm in it. I think it's something we should embrace. I think it's something we should enjoy um, as long as nobody got hurt, and um, yeah, I quite liked the fight. I didn't think it was boring. I thought it was, it was a bit of a chess match, and both those guys were supreme fighters, and um, look, it, I think it wasn't a spectacle. I think it was something that we will, could happen again and I think will happen again. I'll tell you what, you, you've got to be brave to get in any ring. It's extraordinary. And there was a YouTuber in there as well. Yeah, look, Tim, I think Nate Robinson, an ex-basketball player, fought a, a YouTube sensation in Jake Paul the fight before and, and got knocked out. I mean, that was, that was hard to watch, hard to see. But again, it shows that you don't play boxing, right? Uh, it's something which is very, very real in there, and and you can get hurt, and that's what that's what I'm saying. And I think as long as the matchup is fair, I think we can accept the fact that two people are getting in the square circle and trying to duke it out in order who's supreme on that night. And that's what you should focus on when you're looking at fights that are fights like these celebrity fights, or you're looking at Tyson and, and Jones. And and look, there'll be a lot of questions that there were Father Time was way past them, and they were too old to fight. But in their heads, you know, they felt they wanted to be there. And look. What we've gone through in 2020, who are we to judge to say two guys that love the sport of boxing that want to get in that? That's what makes them feel good. Yes, do I think there's a financial component in there? Of course. Roy Jones has been battling for a long time the last five to ten years, um, which you would never think because he was one of the best to ever do it. You'd think he'd have a he'd have a little Scrooge McDuck bank at the back of his house. But unfortunately, yeah. in sport, these things happen. And, and we all know Mike's ups and downs that he's had over the years. So... You know, these guys, of course, needed a bit of cash and good on them. They went there. They, they, people tuned in to watch and they killed it. So, hey, I think, I think Mike walked away with 10 million. I think Roy walked away with a million. I think it was something like that. So, hey, good on them. I agree. Good on him. What, what do you make of Paul Gallen as a fighter? I like Paul. I think he's fighting with Barry Hall. I was there live and I really enjoyed the fact that I, that was the fight of the night. The whole crowd really enjoyed watching him. I thought Barry fought extremely well. He actually looked like a really, <laughs> I think I think he had a lot of good prospects, a lot of talent, like, you know, the way he fought, yeah. especially for his first fight. And I think Gal loves boxing and can fight. Gal's a strong man and I don't think they do boxing any unjust. I think they, they give boxing a lot of credibility with the way they train, the way they fight. Is there a chance that you'll get in the ring? I love boxing and, and you know that, Tim. I, I did it as a kid, as an amateur and I love fighting. I thought I was going to be a fighter. I, I only started running when I was 21 and look, there is an itch that's there to get in and have a, have a professional fight. But very different to these guys that are fighting now. That was their sport. It's like me going back and running a 400-meter race. I, yeah. I, I would do it, but I wouldn't be that good, and it's very different to fighting. But boxing, you can get hurt, and if I am not committed to it, um, I wouldn't do it. But I would love to have a professional fight. I am training pretty hard at the moment to, uh, to give me the options if the option does come up to have the fight. But um, but as of now, I, I enjoy sparring. I enjoy learning boxing. I think boxing is a sweet science, and it's a big chess match when you're in there. And um, and I think it's something that you just you you know you grow to love and doing it for so many years, it can't get out of my system.
John, if you ever do get in the ring, mate, and it gets a little bit heavy, I'll, I'll back you to get away from him anyway. <laughs> You'll be quick enough to get away. Well, well, there's a big half-left guy that I know, man. So if anything goes down, I'll fall upon him, man. And that's Timmy Gilbert. You know what I'm saying? The only way I'd get in your weight division is if I lost both my legs in a bandsaw. <laughs> so there's no way that we could ever, ever fight. You'd have to get real and truly on the Dunkin' Donuts. Now, I, um, I was going to ask you, what about Mark Hunt? Yeah, Mark's an interesting one. I know he's trained very, very well, um, Rob Fogarty. And Rob seems to be very confident and very happy with the way Mark is training. I think Mark is a very, very tough guy. I think he he fought in K1. He's fought, obviously, in the UFC. He has extreme knockouts under his belt. We all know he can punch. We all know if he lands a punch, you're in a lot of trouble. But it's, it's hard for me not to think that the financial reward is is, is the key derivative of, of why he's doing this. He says that he, he feels like he's young again when he's training. He feels confident and he can do well. I think Gal wins just purely on the fact that, that Gal is the fresher, younger. Um, when I say younger, I say younger in the fact in boxing. And I think, I think Gal's fitness... And, and his freshness will be the definitive factor which will have him take the W. But but again, with Mark, Mark's not stupid. You know, I, I think, unfortunately with boxing, there's that one-punch chance. And every fighter still thinks I've got that one-punch chance. And unfortunately, you have to allow them the opportunity to, to, to see if they can make that happen. And, and I think that's what the conflict we face as spectators because we can sort of see father time. We can see maybe see that, that they're sort of in the September of their career. But unfortunately, only they can go in there and, and make that decision for themselves. Beautiful, mate. Well said. Johnny, what about the UFC? I'm gradually getting to understand it, but there's there's young and old guys in there as well, isn't there? Some old guys coming back. Yeah, you see, we got Glover Teixeira that's going to fight soon. I think his main event coming in the UFC. We just saw Anderson Silva, which will be who is a Hall of Famer in the UFC fight, and a lot of people sort of they felt very uncomfortable watching a guy that was basically unbeatable really look like pretty much like a small man in there last time he fought. So. This is becoming a common theme. It's it's hard, mate. When when you got to when you develop a skill over a number of years, uh, in your brain you, you feel like, hey, I've still got it. But but physically, you know, your reflexes are slower. Your your timing is a bit off. And we saw that today with Tyson and and Roy Jones. But internally, you feel you can still make it happen. I don't think this is an uncommon theme when it comes to any sport. And let alone when you look at league and look at soccer. It's based upon selection. It's based upon team. And it's very easy for them to say, no, you don't make the grade. You don't make the cut. With fighting, you own man. You can basically decide what you want to do. Um, you can have a fight in a pub and nobody can watch. And that's your prerogative. Um, unfortunately, with these names I'm naming, they have a fan following. And um, it's not going to take – they have loyal fans. It's not going to take much for them to organize about, organize a setting. And, and people will watch. John Stephenson, it is always a pleasure. And there's lots we're going to talk to you about here on Afternoon Sport, including the Olympic Games. Thank you, mate. I can't wait to meet you. know I'm a big fan of yours as quietly, but, and I've got a lot of fire, especially for the Olympics coming up. I've got a lot of fire in my belly, but, and you know, I don't hold any punches and I think this is a perfect platform for me to unleash. So I look forward to it and look forward to uh, getting another bottle of, signed bottle of wine from you on the golf course. So <laughs> lovely, lovely talking to you guys and uh, we will talk soon. You keep your handicap like that, you'll always keep getting the wine. See ya. Listen, my handicap is pure. It's on Golf Link and it's exactly where I should Great to chat with Johnny Stephenson. Coming up next, we're going to talk about the late, great Maradona. All things football. Stick around. (laughs) 
This is Afternoon Sport and uh, huge news, of course, during the week with the death of Maradona. Shane Lee, uh, extraordinary, wasn't it? Mate, it was sad. He he, um, he really transcended the sport. I, I saw a really interesting um, interview with Gary Lineker talking about you know, he, he was really like one with the ball, how he'd even juggle his socks in the change room. He, he could juggle a tennis ball, a, a golf ball. Great skill, led, led a nation, and was revered by many around the world. Yeah, godlike figure. And it was great to see the All Blacks with their tribute to Maradona. And, of course, pay the respects to the Argentinian team with the All Blacks jersey and the number 10 and the name Maradona in the game on Saturday night. That was about the only respect they showed them because they beat them and uh, they were... Uh, scoreless Argentina for the first time ever but with that let's bring in Rob Gilbert of course he is my brother but he's the the man that does the box-to-box podcast he's all over the world game Maradona Rob uh, only needs one name but means a lot sure does Timmy g'day Shane Uh, guys uh, to put it into context I mean I'm sure regardless of whether our listeners are fans of the world game or otherwise they would have known the name Maradona before the news of the last uh, 48 hours but uh, Maradona whilst his behavior might not have been similar his stature in Argentina was similar to Bradman so that that ought to give the the context for for anybody who's struggling to isolate just where he sits in the uh, in the pantheon of Argentine sporting greats so he he debuted as a 17-year-old, wasn't picked for the 1978 World Cup, which Argentina went on to win at home. Um, he uh, he played in 1982 in the World Cup. He was effectively kicked out of the game, the the, uh, the tournament, uh, a famous uh, um, game against Italy at one point. Uh, Claudio Gentile, the uh, Italian defender, fouled him 23 times as Italy went on to win the uh, the title. But uh, it was the famous 1986 Hand of God World Cup that Englishmen around the world remember him for. And, and Robbie, say he's really revered, obviously in Argentina, but he's also really revered in Italy. Um, obviously, playing with Naples. Winning two two titles off off the bottom of the table over there, he's loved all around the world. Yeah, there's no question whatsoever. I mean, he was uh, an iconic figure for for Napoli. He joined them after a not so successful period at Barcelona, and uh, and took them to their first ever titles. They they won in a period of four years. They won their first ever two titles. They finished second on a number of occasions. They won the Italian Cup. They won the UEFA Cup. And so, uh, so he, he's and well, Tim and Tim will tell you this is a, an interesting story where he and I grew up in the western suburbs of Sydney. There was a, a pizza place that we used to go to, run by a uh, a, a, a guy called pizza. Luigi Pompei Pizza. Look, yeah. look like the inside of a volcano when you walked inside. Very theatrical yeah, setup. But um, but Luigi the uh, Luigi Acampora, who was the uh, the the, the pizzaiola, the guy who owned the store, he had a picture of Maradona behind the counter and. Uh, and he uh, he revered Maradona. Now, uh, as Tim and I discovered the other day, Timmy, his birthday is the thirtieth of October, and it just so turns out that our uh, our friend Luigi, the, uh, the the big super fan of um, of Napoli, uh, all uh, across the other side of the world, um, he died on the very day, fifty years uh, to the day from from Maradona's birth. So, just a quirky little story there for you. But uh, um, but yeah, the, the the problem that he had though in Naples was, of course, the descent into drugs. He um, he became a, a, a cocaine addict. Uh, he was connected to the Camorra at different stages, the uh, the Napolitan mafia, and uh, uh, and and from there on, he he had uh, drug suspensions, arrests, and so on. 
and uh, and and despite the fact that he was um, an iconic figure in Italy and Argentina and around the world, he um, his time at uh, at Napoli um, ended uh, pretty sadly. But uh, to go back to that World Cup, that Hand of God World Cup, um, I'd urge anybody to jump on YouTube and watch some of the highlights of that yeah, time where, 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 yeah, exactly where, look, the situation there, and I referred to this Hand of God incident, of course, where, where um, Maradona famously punched the ball past the England goalkeeper, Peter Shilton, for their first goal. And it seems that the only three people around the world who didn't see him punch the ball into the goal were the, the referee and the two linesmen. But <laughs> later in that game, the goal that he scored where he, he effectively slaloms his way from 60 metres out through the English defence is uh, is remembered as, as one of the, the, if not the greatest goal in the history of World Cup soccer. Yeah, like so many actors and great sports people, uh, you mentioned his descent into drugs and, and really beyond his football years. And he coached for a while, had a mediocre sort of record as a coach. But as a human being, struggled as a human being, died at what is a pretty tender age these these days at 60. And just by the way, my birthday is the 30th of October. Not that there's any great relevance. I have Maradona and I are the same size for a lot of our uh, lives But because uh, he, he was quite a big man. But, uh, I, I mean, I, 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 I mean, you've got to laugh at all things, I suppose. But, yeah, th- that was one of the things, wasn't it, Robbie? Like as a human being, like so many great people um, struggle. Yeah, exactly, and and that's the one of the things that I I to use your words, Tim, struggle to understand in the obituaries of uh, of Maradona is that for for and he's he's rightly being given, being given the, all the praise he deserves as a footballer and for the amazing skill that he he brought to to the game, but uh, but there are still some, and sadly, and and I've got to acknowledge though that there are plenty of English journalists fans who are um, prepared to get in behind. Um, the other uh, context of, of Maradona's uh, uh, entire career and, and accept that 1986 was a, a situation where if most people had been through what he'd been through and effectively kicked out of one World Cup, and when I say kicked out, mm. physically attacked by opposition players with the referees doing nothing to defend him, then for me, if the referees are not going to do anything to defend a player, then he's entitled to to um, to do uh, pretty much the same uh, in terms of getting whatever result he can get. And and to, to bring it back to the point that you make, Tim, it was a different era. We're not talking Lionel Messi, Cristiano Ronaldo here, where they've got a a, um, a posse of managers and an entourage around them to protect them. You know, they're well recognised and acknowledged now as. Uh, as the money men of the clubs that they represent and and they're protected there was no protection for maradona when he arrived mm. in barcelona there was none in, in napoli and and he pretty much was on his own and and couldn't go anywhere without being uh, you know followed by the the paparazzi in, in italy during his time at, at, at naples so yeah look i have a lot of compassion and empathy for his situation because, uh, you know, as extreme a talent as he was on one end, his outrageous behaviour on the other end was was equally extreme. So, you know, I just find it just a, an insight into human character that some people are prepared to, as his legacy is barely cold in the grave, um, attack him for the difficulties that he had in his life. Yeah. I think um, I love a quote that he said uh, when asked by journalists if he was the greatest player of all time, he said, well, my mother said I was the greatest player of all time, and I was I was always told to believe her. So it was a great answer. 
Yeah, no, it was a great line. He, he was look. If if anything, he was he was a character. He he, he was larger than life in so many ways. And uh, and uh, you know, we started this uh, this discussion off talking about the icon, the um, the godlike figure, literally that that uh, he he was in Argentina. And let's not forget the the, the time where he emerged was soon after the Falklands War. So uh, and and his um uh, his greatest enemy was the greatest enemy of the entire country of Argentina at the time and that was England in the 1986 World Cup so, mm-hmm. so they're, they're, and, and coming out of the uh, um, uh, of Argentina seems to, to roller coaster through you know economic um, disaster and and this was a period of time where he his country had come out of a, mm. a similar difficulty you know with uh, the economy and that Falklands war issue was was still uh, resonant at the time. Yep, there'll never be another Maradona. Quite extraordinary that a lot of these great football names are just one names. Maradona, Pelé, and even the the ones these days, Ronaldo, Messi. Rob, thanks for taking us a walk down memory lane. A nostalgic uh, look at Maradona, uh, the highs, the lows, and everything in between. Thanks for being on Afternoon Sport. No worries, Timmy. Thanks, Shane. Thanks, Rob. Shane, well, we got there our first show. A lot of fun, mate. It was really enjoyable. I think uh, lots to talk about. What I really love the fact is we go a little bit deeper than some of the other shows out there and yeah, really try and understand more, not just the what and where, but the why. Exactly. That is Afternoon Sport today. We'll be with you Monday to Friday every week. Hit subscribe on your podcast app so you don't miss it. A big thank you goes out to our field reporters today, Rob Gilbert and John Stephenson. Thank you to our sponsors, O'Brien Beer. And, of course, thank you to our producer, Dan McHugh. We'll be back tomorrow afternoon with your daily dose of sport. See you then.